today on Standing on the Word. We live in a world that is at war with each other and always has been. The truth of the matter is, we can't get along. And Jesus shows up here in Matthew chapter 5. And I love this. He says, my kingdom's going to be different. You're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing for truth in a fallen world. Welcome to Standing in the Gap, Standing on the Word, a verse-by-verse study of the Bible and the powerful truths that are revealed throughout God's Holy Word. I'm your host, Mike Cross. Today we'll hear from Josh Tompkins, who is pastor and Bible teacher at West End Baptist Church, as we learn how believers who are at peace with God will pursue peace with men. And now, from his sermon titled, The Peaceful Life, here's Josh. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the first recorded sermon of Christ, and it's been a, a great time of study for us as we're coming upon the seventh or eighth beatitude here as we began this sermon. It is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. And and what he's describing here in Matthew 5, just to kind of get you guys caught up on where we're at, is that he's describing here uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we need that. We need to know as as Christians, as followers of Christ, what does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, we don't want to just guess at it. We want to know. So the very first sermon, Jesus gives foundational teacher, teaching. If you want to be a follower of mine, here's what that looks like. So we've been going verse by verse down through here and trying to see what it means and if we line up with what it means to be a follower of Christ. Uh, so let's look at this uh, next one here t- today in verse uh, 9 as we're going to talk about followers of Christ are peacemakers. And that's going to be a key word for what we're looking at today is peace. I've actually titled the sermon, The, the Peaceful Life. I read a commentary this week that said this is the crowning characteristic of all Christians is that we are a peaceful people, full of peace. Our lives should be described as. It should be the number one characteristic that we are at peace. Uh, so let's go ahead and stand together and we'll read these verses. I want to read, uh, as we keep building on this passage, I want to keep reading the whole passage starting in verse 1, but our eyes are set on verse 9. Uh, so let's start in verse 1. And this is, again, the greatest sermon by the greatest preacher who's ever preached. You can't get any better than this sermon. Uh, there's, there's no way. And we're just getting started on it. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all this sermon. We may spend the next year in this sermon. But starting there in verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth. And I love it. He opened his mouth, and the first word that comes out of the mouth of Christ is blessed. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9. We'll spend the entirety of our, our time here today on this verse. Blessed are the peacemakers. And this is a crowning achievement here. For they shall be called the children of God. So let's pray, and then we'll look at what it means to live as Christians a peaceful life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, I know that as I stand up here that I have nothing to say in and of myself. I am nobody and I have nothing. But when I open your word, I have something to say. I have something to teach. And it's not from me, it's not of me, it's from you and of you. And God, I pray that as we teach these words here today, and these are great words, And it's a great characteristic that you, by your Spirit, will apply these words to our hearts. I desire within me to be a peaceful man. And I desire for our church to be at peace. And not only in this room, but I desire myself to see a world at peace. Knowing that we will not see that until Christ comes and brings peace. But I pray that you would, God, write these words, edge them upon our hearts, that we would become peaceful people. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The opposite of the word peace, and you guys know this, is the word war. And there is so much war and antagonism and hatefulness and conflict and problems and issues in our world that we see, and you know this, we see a whole lot more war than we do peace. Some of you here today, and we see it all over our lives, 
It's in, in every area of our life. You can see it at the, at the international levels as two countries are, are usually at war with each other. The New York Times said that in, the, in our history, there's not been one year that we've been without war. There's been upwards of 14,000 wars in the history of this world. So our, we know what it's like to be internationally at war with each other. We know what it's like to be nationally at war with each other. We can turn on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and you're going to see people sitting around a table and they're going back and forth with each other. They're at war. It's Republicans versus Democrats and, and all these politicians are at war with each other. So we see war everywhere. And it's even as you work your way down, you see it in our schools, you see it in your families. I mean, sit around the table at Thanksgiving or Christmas and somebody's going to be at war with somebody else. You sitting here today, you probably were at war with somebody in your family this morning on the way to church. I know I was as I go into the room to get Christian awake to, to go to church this morning. It turned into a knockdown, drag out fight. I mean, he's like, no, I don't want to get up. And I'm like, you are getting up. And you go in there and you're dragging him by his legs and he's holding on for dear life. There's wars within our family. I mean, it's just a, you do your best, but that's how it goes. Not only that, but there's wars in churches. Do you know that? I've been in churches where there is on this side somebody who won't talk to somebody on this side, and they're not putting up the peace sign. They're putting up fists at each other. They're ready to go to war inside a church. You know that. There's, we are known more in churches, not for our peace, but for our war and division. That's the world we live in, and the Bible talks about it as well. I mean, at the very outset of the Bible, I, I like this. I don't, but it's, it, it gives me a comfort in my own home to know that this has been the case throughout history. As you go into the Bible, Adam and Eve had their first two kids, Cain and Abel. And the first thing you see is Cain killing Abel. There's a war at the outset between two brothers. And I go to my house and I see, I see it. Yeah, I know. I mean, if it was possible, Isaiah could be throwing a rock at Christian and they'd be at war with each other. It's been that way throughout history. The Bible's full of that. Brothers fighting brothers and nations against nations. Our history, again, is, is full of war. There's no time in our history that the, there's not been war. We see more war than we do peace. We see more conflict than we do calm. We see more hatred than we do love. We see more division than we do unity. We see more quarreling and fighting than we do people getting along. And it's that way. You know it in your life right now. You're thinking of somebody you don't get along with. That is the world we live in. We live in a world that is at war with each other and always has been. The truth of the matter is, we can't get along. And Jesus shows up here in Matthew chapter 5. And I love this. He says, my kingdoms will be different than everybody else. I'm not going to be like everybody else. His kingdom, the Jews expected Him to stand up and to preach and to be a military Messiah, to come with swords and to come with armies and to come and to kill and to, and to take over and to, and to make His kingdom the kingdom of the world. That's what they expected Jesus to be. But Jesus shows up on the scene and, and even the, the first song as Jesus is born is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Jesus came not throwing up fists. He came throwing up peace. That, that, that was the characteristic of Jesus and of His ministry and of His life. His first sermon here, verse 9, blessed are th not those who go to war, not those who are troublemakers, but those who are peacemakers. Jesus is, and even with John, before the, in the book of John, before the crucifixion, Peter goes to take out his sword and cut off the guy's ear, and Jesus says, no, my kingdom is not going to be taken by violence. Put down your sword. And he got the ear and he, and he put it back. Jesus is, is a Savior, a Prince of Peace. That's who He is. That's, he's not coming to bring a sword, but to bring an, an olive branch. He's a king with no armies. He's a king with no weapons. He's coming to a world at war and He says, Peace. Get this, when He came down to our world, it's like when He looked over the, the sea that was that was had a storm and it was just it was it was like a tornado going on and he stepped out on the boat and he said peace be still Jesus came into this world that is at war with each other and the first thing he says is peace guys get along peace 
That's who Jesus is. That's, and this is a shock to them. But that's, that's who Jesus is. He came and He says, I'm going to bring peace to the world. I am the, the Prince of Peace. That's going to show the world how to be at peace with each other. And He expects of His followers, as we get into this passage, that we would be peaceful. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then we ought to be peacemakers. We ought to be just like Him in that we want Peace with the world. We want to be at peace with everyone. That, that's what he's saying here. As everybody else in the world on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC, as the nations are at war, as, as it, there's international chaos, as it's in our schools and our homes and our churches, we need to be followers of Jesus that stands up and says, I'm not doing this, I'm doing this. We are to be peacemakers in the world. We are the only peacemakers in the world. Everybody else is, is agitating. It's trying to get it started up, you know. And we're sitting there saying, no, we want to be at peace. We bring peace. We are the only true peace core that there is. And what is that peace that we're supposed to have? First of all, it's the peace that we have within. You can't be at peace with man unless you're at peace with God. So as His followers, we're not to be troublemakers. We're to be peacemakers. And the world desperately needs peacemakers. Christians are to be peacemakers in the home. Our homes need peace. Christians are to be peacemakers in the schools. Christians are to be peacemakers in a nation. Christians are to be peacemakers in the church. When two sides can't get along and they're fighting each other, we as Christians need to be coming in and saying peace. In a world war, we want to be a part of a kingdom of peace. So I'm going to look at that today. We need to be actively pursuing peace, not only with God, but with others. So let's look at this passage. And then I want to show you today, and I don't like doing how-tos, but that's what this verse is. It's a how-to live a peaceful life. Do you want to live a peaceful life? We all do. I mean, I say that all the time with my wife sitting at the house and kids are running around like crazy. I just want a moment of peace. <laughs> when things get bad and you want to turn off the TV and say, I just want to be at peace. So I want to show you today, and I know you want the same thing. You want peace in your life. You want peace in your heart. You want peace with God. You want peace among your brothers and sisters in Christ. You want peace out there in the world. We just want to be at peace. How do we do that? So let's look at it today as, as we show you the peaceful life. How to live a peaceful life. And I'm going to work through this verse. I know it's a, 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 a small verse. But I, I want to, I've got three points for you, three headings as we work our way through, and it should be a, a logical flow. The first thing I want to show you is the pathway to peace. You can write that down for you note-takers out there. I, I love note-takers. You don't have to do it, but I love it. You, you, if you want to take notes, number one on the list of things we're going to learn today, and it should build, is the, the pathway to peace. Before we can make peace out here, we must be at peace with God. Understand that again. Before we can be at peace with anybody, understand that the reason the nations are in an uproar, the, the reason our schools and our churches are in an uproar, the reason we can't get along with each other is because we're not at peace with God. So before we can be at peace with each other, we must first be at peace with our God. And that is the number one need of every human is that they must be at peace with God. You say that to people on their deathbed. Have you made peace with God? But you don't need to wait to your deathbed to make peace with God. You need to do it now. So I'm going to show you the pathway to being at peace with God. How can I, individually, me, be at peace with God? And that's what we need. You know why we need peace with God? Because naturally, we are born by nature at war with God. I mean, you say, what, is, what does that mean? That we're at war with God. That means that we, there are two opposing sides to this war. This war, and on one side is man. And the Bible says, and I want you to see that, there's two sides. There's always two sides. There's Republican and there's Democrat. There's people and there's one side in the church and there's the other side in the church. They're always saying, which side are you on? There's always two sides. And on one side of this war is man. And the Bible says on that side that we are separated from God, that we are at, at a distance, that we are alienated from God, that we oppose God, that we are born on this side with our fists thrown up at God. We aren't at peace with God. We are at war with God. We are at enmity with God. We are separated from God. That our sin separates us, a wall between us and God. 
That's who we are. We are by nature at war with God. That's our condition. We fight against God. We enter this war with this world with a declaring a state of war with God. The world is at war with God. If you're here today and you are lost and unbeliever, you are now at war with God. There's no peace with God. You're at, at war with God. Psalm 2 again says we throw our fists up and rebel against God. Romans 8 says we are hostile to God. Romans 5 says we are enemies to God. This is our condition. We are on one side and we are fighting against God. And that's not the only thing. God is on the other side. And the Bible says He is at war with us. Don't miss this, because most do. It's as an unbeliever, God isn't on your side. God is hostile towards you. He is at war with you. And the war is, is an ugly war. I'm a rebellious sinner on one side. I refuse to bow the knee to God. I refuse to listen to God. I live in my sin. I'm a lawbreaker. I'm an anarchist. I'm a, I'm a cosmic treason against God. I'm the worst state I can ever be. I'm so far away from God. That's who I am. And on this side is a holy God, angry at all those who sin. His sword is ready to go and judge. The psalmist says that he's got his bow and arrow out ready to shoot at all those who are sinful. And God doesn't miss when He aims. Do you see this war? The last thing you want in life is to be at war with God. Oh, you can be at war Republican and Democrat, and you might even win that war. I remember growing up, you'd size people up. You ever done that? I'd get on the basketball court and I'd say, do I want to fight that guy? <laughs> I was like that. I mean, maybe you, maybe you see that in me, maybe you don't. But I was, I was, I would get on the court and I'd be like sizing guys up. And if I thought they were smaller than me and I could take them, I do that now. I go play pickup basketball and I'm like, you know, here I am, 38 year old preacher with gray hair. And I'm like, I could take you, you know, <laughs> sitting there looking, you know, puffing the chest out. I mean, you guys know what that's like. And then sometimes you get on the court and you're, you're looking up <laughs> and you're kind of like, Somebody else guard this guy. I don't want to do it. I can't, I can't, I can't take that guy. I can't beat him. I mean, he's going to dunk on me. He's going to make me look bad. I've done that recently. I, I, I go to play basketball and I look up at a guy. I saw the guy six foot seven. I'm too old for this. I ain't, I ain't chopping down that tree. <laughs> so you start sizing them up. I mean, you do, I don't know if you guys do it in basketball. You maybe do it, you guys that are fighters, maybe you do that. You see boxers that'll do that. I mean, you see it all the time. MMA, they're sizing the competition up. Let me tell you something. If you're at war with God, size Him up. And understand, you can't beat God. You can't defeat God. You can't puff your chest up at God. Then the nations are raging and thinking they can take on God. You cannot defeat the Almighty God. People that oppose God. The, the world is, is at war with God. If you're here today, an unbeliever, maybe you're an agnostic, and you're sitting there saying, I don't even know if God exists. You know, you can't beat God. Maybe there's, there's atheists. Or the, the, I don't believe God exists. You can think it all you want, but God exists and He will take you out. All these people who fight God's Word, when you fight God's Word, you're fighting God Himself. I refuse to bow. I refuse to do what you tell me to do. And you're rebelling against God. In the family, you're rebelling the roles. In the church, you're rebelling what He says. In your life, you're saying, I will sin because I want to. You're fighting God. You don't want to be at war with God. I tell people that all the time. Don't fight God. You know what you need to do if you're at war with God? Bow the knee and surrender. Throw down your weapons. Take out the fist and throw them. I want to be at peace with God. You can't win. God will crush you. He will judge you. He will damn every unbeliever and it will be right and it will be good. You do not want to pick a fight with God. Imagine me trying to pick a fight with the biggest man in the world. Josh, you're going to lose. I'm sitting there saying, no, I got this. <laughs> you're sitting out there fighting against God, rebelling against God, at treason with God. And you're thinking, you can win this fight? 
absurd. The most ridiculous thing you could ever imagine. It's a great distance that we are from God. A great separation from God. A great war with God. And you tell me, and this is the question of the day, what can be done if God is here and He's at war with me and I'm here and I'm at war with Him and He's got, as the psalmist says, He's got bow and arrows ready to draw and He's ready to aim and His sword, He's, he's rattling His sword, ready to, to take it out and to judge. What can be done to bring two sides together to bring them from being like this to being like this at peace with one another? That's the most desperate thing this world needs is to be at peace with God. You sitting in the pew, the most desperate need of your life is to be at peace with God. How do we bridge that gap? How do we be at peace with our God? I'll tell you this, you can't compromise and say, God, I'll meet you in the middle. You come halfway, I'll come the other way. We'll compromise God. And God will look at you and say, I do not compromise my holiness in one little how do we bridge that gap? What's the pathway to being at peace with God? I'll tell you this, and we'll move to the next point. But the solution to the war between mankind and God comes from God's side. God is a God of peace. Romans 15.33 says, the God of peace. Hebrews 13.20 says, the God of peace. Romans 16.20 says the same thing. The God of peace. Aren't you glad that we have a God of peace who's sitting here on this side? He could have easily destroyed us. He could have easily judged us. He could have easily wiped us out at any time in my rebellion and in my fight against Him. He could have easily stomped me like, like, like a little bug in the ground. He could have easily wiped me out with a snap of a finger. He could have said a word and I would have been incinerated like that. He could have done that. But over here is a God of peace. He's a God who makes peace. And He starts building the bridge of peace on His side. He's going to bridge that gap and make peace. He started building it on His side. And how does He do that? By sending His Son. And the whole mission of His Son is to bring peace between God and man. The whole mission. I want you to see that. When Jesus comes, again, it's peace on earth, goodwill toward men. When Jesus comes, He's called the Prince of Peace. He's the ultimate peacemaker. He's not come, coming to, to wage war. He's coming to make peace. To, to bring two sides together. He's the mediator. He's the one in the middle. He's both God and He's both man. Truly God and truly man. And He comes down sent from the God of peace to make peace between two sides. He came to establish peace. His message was a message of peace. To sinners, He would say, go and be at peace. His mission was a peace mission. And what does He do in order to bridge that gap? You're already seeing it in the way I'm holding my hands. How do you bridge a gap between God and sinful man? Holy God and sinful man. You send the God-man to go to the cross and to bridge the gap and to bring peace. I want you to look. Turn with me. I know you guys are just watching me right now. <laughs> but His death purchased our peace. Look, look at it with me. Turn to Ephesians 2. I think you guys will love this. Ephesians 2. Starting in verse 11. Okay, you guys are there. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, this is who we used to be. They were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. But at that time you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. That's the worst condition mankind can be in outside of hell. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, by His blood and by the cross, has brought peace between God and man. I'll give you another one if you want. Turn with me to Colossians 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's just a couple books over. Colossians 1. This is the most glorious news that you could ever have. As I stand here today, I look at unbelievers and I say, you can have peace with God. 
How can I have peace with God? Jesus is our peace. Look at Colossians 1, verses 20 and 22 to 22. I love this. Verse 20, and having made peace. Do you see that? I mean, it's everywhere. And having made peace. How did He make peace? Through the blood of the cross. By Him to reconcile. Love that word. We were separated and away from God. And by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, who died for our sin, He reconciled the two sides. It's like when I go to my kids and they're fighting Gracie versus Isaiah. I'm the mediator. I have to go in between them and say, Gracie, Isaiah, love each other. They don't, but I try. Colossians 1 again, verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him recon- by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. How did He do it? In the body of His flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. That He came and died for our sins and brought us. I love this. He came and died on the cross for our sins so that He could bring He could bring sinful man. I can't forget which side I'm on. Mankind's over here, right? Okay. To bring mankind all the way over to a holy God by the death on the cross. Jesus is our answer to peace with God. The only answer to peace with God. Nobody else can mediate between God and man other than the the man Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator. There's only one way you can be at peace with God and it's by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He offers that peace. We may have peace with God and be reconciled to Him. What's the conditions of peace? Complete and total surrender. You cannot be at peace with God until you completely and totally surrender yourself to Him. You stand before Jesus and you bow and you throw down your weapons, you throw down your fighting, you throw down your your rebelling and you bow the knee and you submit to the King. I'll tell you what you do. You wave the white flag and you surrender. I'm done. I'm done fighting. I I can't do it anymore. I'm done rebelling. I'm done trying to do things my own way, the way I want to do it. And now I surrender and bow myself down to Jesus and find peace with God. And the result is, and I love this, if you do that, you can have complete and total peace with God. The word peace is shalom. It means it is well with my soul. Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can have peace with God today by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest thing in the world is to wake up and know you're at peace with God. That He is a friend and not a foe. And when you stand before Him one day, the greatest thing you can have is peace with God. So that's the pathway to peace. That's how we make peace with Almighty God. We were at war. We once were alienated. We once were at enmity. We once were hostile to God. But by the blood of Jesus on the cross, He sacrificed and paid for our sin so that we can now have peace with God. That's the pathway to peace. Let me show you point number two. The pursuit of peace. Those who are at peace with God will now pursue peace with men. If you are, get this, I told you it's a logical progression. If we are at peace with God, we will now pursue peace with man. Those who are not at peace with God cannot pursue peace with man. You must first find that peace with God before you can ever be at peace with man. So let me show you what this looks like. And you can go back to Matthew chapter 5. Because it says, blessed are the peacemakers. So who do we make peace with? That's our job now. And now that we are at peace with God, we're to make peace with men. How do we do that? Number one, I'm going to give you two of them here. The three pursuits, three pursuits of peace. Number one, we pursue peace between men and God. Now that we have been made right with God, we do our best to make man right with God too. 
Mankind, the world, is, is, is alienated and separated from God just like I used to be. You know that. You look around. You see most of the world, majority of the world, a high percentage of the world is at enmity with God. They're opposing God. And it's our job, the most needed ministry of the church, of the world, is for us who have made peace with God to go out and to do our best to bring those lost and dying sinners to God to find peace. We're to do it to our job, our ministry is to reconcile the world with God. Now that I have been, Jesus brought me to God and I'm on his side now, it's my job to go back into the world and do my best, grab them by the hand and to pull them to God and show them how to make peace with God. That's the number one ministry of our, of our life, our new job, our new duty is to be ambassadors of peace, uh, peacemakers. To bring two sides together, God and man. Take them by the hand and lead them to Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. To tell the world that they can be at peace with God. That's what we do. That's what I'm doing here today. Whether you like it, whether you understand it or not, or like it or not, we pray that today someone might find peace with God. When I stand up here and preach on, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, when we end the Sunday school on Wednesday night, we stand up and we do our best to show you, the people, that you can be at peace with God. You don't have to war anymore. It's our message, our number one ministry, our number one priority is to be a peacemaker between man and God. Number two, not only peace between man and God, but peace between men and me. You say, what does that mean? Let me just try to try to show it to you again. I'm at peace with God now. By the Lord Jesus Christ, my faith in Him, I've been brought at peace with God. I have it is well with my soul. So now I do my best to be to bring you, the lost world, who's at, at war with God, to show them the peace that they can have with God. And then it's my job to be at peace with man. Understand, sometimes people get mad at me. I know, that's hard to, hard to believe. <laughs> I saw the looks in your face. Like, really? How? You know, he's such a great guy. <laughs> how could anybody, that's what my mom says, how could anybody not love him? You know? <laughs> right? My mom's here. She's, she's sitting there saying, that's the first time, I, the first time I've heard her say amen. <laughs> she said, preach it. Yeah, he's so great. But believe it or not, sometimes people get mad at me. And believe it or not, sometimes I get mad at people. People are just the worst, right? And you're sitting there saying, yeah, I believe it, Josh. You, sometimes people get mad at you. Sometimes you get mad at other people. You know why? Because sometimes people get mad at you. And sometimes you get mad at other people. And sometimes we're at war. And sometimes it's hostile. I, I, sometimes there's division. Sometimes there's fractured relationships. It's true for all of us. There may be family fractions right now in your life where you don't love, you don't get along with somebody in your family. You're like this. It may be in your marriage. You don't get along with your spouse. You're at war. Somebody's sitting there saying right now, yeah, you know. Kids don't get along. Churches, again, don't get along. It happens all the time. Friends that used to be so close are now fractured and broken. Whatever happened, it happens all the time. There's all kinds of, of little irritations and conflicts that, that separate us from each other. It happens to me all the time. What do we do? Matthew 5. Look at it in your, in your own Bible here. Verse 21. Watch this. I mean, it's as clear as it can be. This isn't hard to understand. This is just hard to do. Look what it says in verse 22. Let's start in verse 21. You've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, you see, the two parties fighting each other shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, get this, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and thou rememberest that thou bro thy brother hath ought against thee, that you're fighting with each other. If you come to church and you realize somebody's fighting with you, you're not getting along. Jesus says this, leave your gift, <laughs> leave your offering <laughs> before the altar and leave. And first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. See what Jesus is saying there? 
as peacemakers, it's not just our job to bring man to lost man, unbelieving man, to God. It's our job to be at peace with each other. As peacemakers, as followers of Christ, it's our duty to actively pursue peace with man. Quick to make peace. To take the high ground. To don't take every little wrong into a massive end of the world issues. All these little irritations and conflicts that can separate friendships and can separate churches and families. And they'll, they'll, they, it's, it's a breaking of bridges instead of building of bridges. And it, it's dividing and, and separating us. It's our job as peacemakers, as Christians, to build a bridge to bring peace between two opposing parties. And where does that start? Because some of us will sit there and say, his fault, I ain't doing it. He said something to me. He did something to me. I've got this one. He didn't shake my hand. And until he gets it right, we'll be at war. Aren't you glad that's not how Jesus works? They sinned against me. And until they get it right, I'm not doing nothing. If that was the case, none of us would be saved. So we as Christians are to bridge that relationship. How do we do it? By starting the bridge on our side. If they're sitting over there saying, huh, there ain't no way, I will never be right with him. They gotta do it. Then we on this side, as Christ followers, I take the high road. I do the hard thing. And I'm gonna do my best to be at peace with whoever it is saying. That's what a peacemaker does. That's what a Christian does. Actively pursues peace. And this is the most difficult part of this passage. Because some of you sitting there saying right now, and you're thinking, I know, you're thinking, this one's mad at me. And I ain't about to text them. <laughs> this is the one passage I say no to God about, you know. I'm not going to do that. It's as clear as it can be. Now let me give you just a little sidebar. Understand, it's peacemaking, not peace achieving. Peacemaking isn't always successful. You could easily try to build your bridge from your side and go to this one over here who you didn't shake hands with. What's Josh doing? He's shaking hands with everybody else but me. <laughs> and I could go to him and say, I'm sorry, I, I meant to shake your hand, but there's a hundred other people I'm trying to shake their hand too. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And I didn't do anything wrong. But I'm sitting there saying, you know, I, I just want there to be peace. No. I've done my part. Some people, and I, I want to be very careful here, you just can't get along with. Some people will not let you be at peace. And you're sitting there saying, I know people like that. <laughs> it's our job to do our best to be at peace with all men, if possible. But if they will have none of it, then we've done our job. Jesus wasn't at peace with all people, was He? He came and said, peace! He came on, uh, on Palm Sunday and, and, and there was people throwing leaves down and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna! But the very next week they were saying, crucify, crucify! He wasn't at peace with everyone, but He tried. Even today, our God tries who desires all men to come to repentance and to be saved, but some will have none of God's peace. Some sitting here today refuses the peace of God. God coming to you by the Holy Spirit and saying, you can be at peace. No. I refuse your peace, God. He tried. He sent His Son. What else can He do? So we try. We do our best. I'll text and I'll call and I'll visit and say, I'm sorry I didn't shake your hand. <laughs> no. Then I've done my duty to be a peacemaker. Nowhere does it say being a peace achiever. And sometimes peace isn't always necessary. You say, when is that? When you have to choose between truth and peace, you choose truth every single time. Never compromise the truth of God's Word to be at peace. I will never work with a Muslim in ministry. You say, why? Shouldn't you be at peace? Not with false people. Shouldn't you be at peace with, with Catholics? I can't work with Catholics. Why? They're, they're, those who are, are enemies of Christ, I will not be friends with. 
So there's sometimes it's we must choose truth over peace. Sometimes the truth is a sword. Sometimes when you go witnessing with the gospel and you're trying to make peace between man and God and, you, and, you, and you're going and bringing them the truth in the Bible and you're trying to be at peace and you're trying to be loving and kind and you give them a verse and that verse just stabs them, you know. They get mad at you. They, they get antagonistic and they want to fight you and I start sizing guys up. You know, you size guys up in evangelism, you know. I think I could take it. <laughs> the truth is a sword. That's why Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as life in you, live at peace with all men. As best as you can. In every way you can. Try to be at peace with all men. And lastly, I'll give you this one and we'll move to the last point. If we are at peace with God, we will aim to be at peace with everybody. Try. Pursue peace. The last one is we try to be peacemakers between man and man. Not me and man. That's, that's me involved. I've got to do my part. But what about two people who are fighting? I remember I went to a, uh, I was playing pickup basketball one night in Pound. And I was just on the side. And all of a sudden I turn around there's this big guy here and this big guy here. And these two guys are fighting each other. They're, they're throwing fists in a, in a church gym. And I'm sitting there, and I, I had two choices. I, I could sit there, and, and I could, number one, I could sit there and say, oh, it, ain't, it ain't my fight, I'm just staying out. And I'll sit up there and shoot, you know. Number two, I could sit there and, and, and ag it on. I could sit there, fight, 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 you know. Now, now get this. Christians can see people fighting, and you have two options. You could say, not my fight, I'm out of it. You could sit there and say, fight, fight, fight. And you could talk about it on Facebook, text your friend and call them, and, and you could ag it on and say, I heard they said this, fight them some more. You know, I see it all the time. Loving a good fight. Loving some gossip, spreading a little worse, you know, trying to make the, the trying to make the hostility worse. But no, that's that's not what Jesus has called us to do here. In those situations when you got it's it's not me involved. I'm I'm out of the I'm out in the I'm not in this at all. I'm I'm out of it. It's not me and man. It's not God and man that I'm trying to bring together. It's two parties that I'm not involved with. What do we do? Blessed are the peacemakers. We come, and if they won't build a bridge, and if they won't build a bridge, then I'll come in as a third party, and I'll try to build a bridge between them. You know, Josh probably should have shook your hand. <laughs> Josh, you should have shook the hand. You know, you, you sit there and try to build a bridge. You try to mend the fences. Try to put it back together, even if it hurts. But you know what happened to me in that fight at the gym? I didn't sit back and say, hi, it's not my fight. I didn't go in and say, fight, fight, fight. I went in like this right here. <laughs> you know? And both of them hit me. And that's exactly what will probably happen to you when you try to bridge a relationship. You might get punched. Not literally, I hope not. But there's an old saying, when you try to break up a sword fight, you're probably going to be the one that gets stabbed. But didn't Jesus count the cost of bridging the gap between man and God? And it cost Him His own life's blood upon the cross to see us be at peace with God? So now it's our job to bring peace between two parties. So it's our job as those who are at peace with God now to be to be to bring peace between God and man, between me and man, and between men and men who are fighting each other. That's my job. Because get this, and we'll get to the last point. I've got 15 minutes. You guys just sit still. You're, you're just eating this up. I know you are. It's compared to a pyramid. You guys know what a pyramid looks like. And the closer we climb, the higher we climb, the closer we get to God, and the closer we get to each other. That's what it means to be at peace. If you're on one side and I'm on the other side and we're at war with each other, and I love that about the Gospel, that it brings people from all sides and all angles 
everywhere. And as they grow closer to God, and as I grow closer to God, it doesn't separate us. It's not like this. It's going like this. So that I'm closer to my brothers than I've ever been. The closer I get to God, the closer and more intimate in my relationship with God I am, the closer I ought to be with you guys. If you're climbing the same pyramid I am. The higher we climb, the closer we get to God and to each other. In the first century, I'm moving on, it was said of the Christians, do you see how these Christians love each other? And in the 21st century church today, I'm afraid it's more likely to say, do you see how those Christians fight each other? When Jesus says His people must be peace, Peace lovers, peace keepers, fight to keep the peace. Last point. We'll finish. We saw the pathway to peace. We saw now the pursuit of peace and now the promise of peace. You say, why in the world should I pursue peace with anybody? Why can't I just sit in the house and do my own thing, come to church, sit in my own pew, and if people don't get along, who cares? Why should I get involved in peacemaking? What's, what's in it for me? Which is a terrible question to ask. What's in it for me? Well, here's the promise of peace. Back to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Understand this promise that he gives here. Shall be called the children of God, the sons of God. It's a promise. I mean, this is a promise to us that for those who are peacemakers, for peacemakers only, it's, it's exclusive. Peacemakers will be called the children of God. Peacemakers are blessed. Peacemakers are called children of God. So I want to look at this logically and show that's, a, that's an amazing promise for us. If we are peacemakers, we're blessed. If we are peacemakers, then we are called children of God. Those are two great things. Look at this on the other side. If we are not peacemakers, we're not blessed. If we are not peacemakers, we're not called the child of God. We're more like the child of the devil. Because the devil is the ultimate divider. Who separated the angels? So that most would go with God, but a great amount ended up being demons and following Satan. Who did that? Satan did. Who come in and separated Adam and Eve so that they, they could tempt Eve and, and then bring sin upon the whole world? Satan did that. Who brings division into churches? Who brings, who brings uh, antagonism and hostility into relationships? It's not God. God calls no man to, to bring a troublemaker. He calls us to be peacemakers. So if you are a troublemaker, you're not blessed. If you are a troublemaker, you're more like a child of Satan than you are a child of God. That's the logical conclusion to this. If This is a sharp rebuke for a troublemaker. If you have a reputation of stirring trouble and being overly critical and fault-finding, you're more like the devil than you are God. I want to show you one more verse. I want you to turn there. I'd like you guys to get a little exercise. Turn to the book of Proverbs with me. I know you guys, we don't go there much, but I want to read this to you. I would quote it to you, but I want to read several verses. Proverbs chapter 6. I want to show you, this is the opposite side. If you are a troublemaker and not a peacemaker, you have no promise. Proverbs 6. Watch this passage. Maybe some of you all have never heard this passage before, but this is what it says. These six things doth the Lord hate. You see that? He hates. And then, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. So you have the seventh one is an abomination. The seventh one is in the climactic position. It is the, the thing that God supremely hates. At the top of his list. I, I can talk to Steph sometimes and she'll, she'll just, there, there's certain things that I will, that I do that gets on her nerves. And then there's certain things that maybe just one or two or ten things. That she supremely hates. <laughs> this one thing she'll say gets on my nerves worse than anything in the world. And that's what God is saying here. There's six things that I hate, but yay, that seventh one, I can't stand it. So now you guys are ready to read the seventh one, right? Let's skip to six. 
God hates these six, but what's number seven? He can't stand that. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Verse 17, a proud look, pride. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and number seven, he that soweth discord among the brethren. Climactic position, number seven, the thing that God hates supremely more than anything else is those who cause division. Those who are troublemakers. Those who stir trouble. Those who, who are, do their best to cause division. Romans 16, 17 says this, Mark them which cause division and avoid them. Mark them. Put a mark on This one causes division and avoid them. Stay away from them. That's what God says about people who are not peacemakers, but, but troublemakers, because troublemakers look more like Satan than they do like God. God is the ultimate peacemaker. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Peace that falls like a dove who is a symbol of peace. So everything about God is a God of peace. And if you're more like Satan and strife and, and, and anger and troublemaking, you're not like God. You tell me, and it happens in churches. People walk into churches and they're like this right here. They walk into, oh, such a godly place. But when they walk in, they see differences everywhere. But they see this. We're at peace with God and we're at peace with each other. They say, that is the most peaceful place I've ever been in my life. That is just like God. And that's what it's saying here. Again, our promise. And you can turn back to Matthew 5. It says we're called sons of God. What does that mean? Children of God. Verse 9. For they shall be called the children of God. And if you have a pen, I would underline children of God. You say, what does that mean? First of all, that's relationship. Get this. And I'll save this for the end. This is, this is, this is the, the climax of it. This is the crescendo of the sermon. That we who once were far off. I was way over here at war with God. And he was way over here at war with me. He had the, the sword ready to ready to judge and the arrow ready to ready to strike. And I was over here rebellious and throwing up fists and ready to ready to go at war with God. And then Jesus comes and makes peace, and I'm a peacemaker, and that brings me, get this. Now we are so close to God and have victory on The last one said, They shall see God. This one says I might as well be around God's feet as His children. I love that because where do my kids stay? You got kids, you know how that is. Everywhere I go, I got two little redheaded boys following me. I mean, they are at my feet, they are at my side. I got up this morning, said I'm going to go pick up the, the van kids, and Isaiah said I'll go. <laughs> and there he was in the front seat, riding along with me, ready to ready to go work. I mean, that's where your kids stay, and that's what this is saying. I'm not far off from God anymore, but I am so close it's as if I'm His child. You can't get any closer than a child. I mean, my, my kids sleep in the same bed with me. They wake up and eat breakfast with me. They're with me at lunch. They're with me at dinner. They're downstairs right now. And as soon as church is over, I'll be standing out there shaking hands, making sure I get everybody. <laughs> and standing right beside me will be my kids. Where I go, my kids go. I hope it's like that when they're 60 and I'm 90. Then everywhere I go, my kids go. If I move there, they move there. If I, it'll be more like this. If they move there, I move there. <laughs> I want them right with me. I want them there with me all the time because that's how children are. And that's what he's saying here. We're not afar off anymore. We're not enemies anymore. But I'm as close to God as I can get. Why? Because I'm a peacemaker. At peace with God and at peace with man. That brings my relationship to God closer than you can ever imagine. The more at peace we are with man the more at peace we will be with God. I love that. And it's not only that, but it's, it's a relationship that's close. It's a resemblance that, get this, my kids look like me. Unfortunately, they do. My girls look like their mom, praise the Lord. But my boys are just like me. And it's not just in how they look, it's just it's in how they act. Because the closer they are to me, the more they act like me. They start saying the things I say and doing the things I do. I saw in basketball this season that Isaiah started sizing guys up, you know. And I'm sitting there saying, that's my boy. That's just... 
And the closer we are to God, the more we look like God. The more we act like God. And the more people out there in the world start saying to us, they act like children of God. Do you get that? The more we are at peace with man, the closer we are to God, and the more the world looks at us and says, you know what? Those people are like God. Because God is a God of peace, and Jesus is a Prince of peace, and the Spirit of God is a Spirit of peace. And the children of God are people of peace. They're not doing this. I'll even say this, that the symbol of peace ought not to be the peace sign. It ought to be the cross sign. Because that's the only way any of us will ever have peace. That'll be our reputation. When we live a peaceful life, people will say, wouldn't you want that reputation? I want that reputation. I can't keep people from getting mad at me though. <laughs> I want that reputation. I want people to look at me and say there's an aura about Josh. He is at peace with himself. He's, he's, a, he's comfortable. He's, he's, he's well with him. Not only that, but he tries his best to be at peace with everybody. He may not get every hand, but he wants it. He may not pat every back and hug everybody, but he wants it. People may hate him, but he, he, he don't like it. I want that to be my reputation. And we are like God in peace. Because when we're called the children of God, it is the highest and noblest honor of all the Beatitudes. Notice it with me. I, I just want to go through these real quick. The first one is the promise was the kingdom of heaven. That's great. Verse 3, the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, the promise was that we can have comfort. That's great. I want to be comfortable. Verse 5, the promise was inheriting the earth. That's great. We'll get to inherit the earth. Awesome. Verse 6, we'll have our hunger and thirst filled. We'll be satisfied. That's great. I, I love that. Verse 7, we shall obtain mercy. I love that God's going to show us mercy. Verse 8, I, I love the promise. We get to see God. Can you imagine? I can see God. But give me, give me, give me this one. And the last one. And this is the last beatitude because this is the last characteristic. But verse 9, we're the children of God. That's the crescendo. That's the crowning jewel of the Beatitudes. If you do these things, if you are these things, then you'll be like God. A child of God. That's the promise to peacemakers. Those who are at peace with God, love this, will be at peace with others and will be called the children of God. Now my question to you today, and I have two to close, and I have two minutes and two questions, so we can get those out of the way. Number one is, are you at peace with God? As I look around this room, there's some of you who are not at peace with God. It's just the truth. There's some of you who are at war with God. You're on the wrong side. God doesn't have a wonderful plan for your life. He's at war with you. You're so far from God, He can't hear your prayers. He doesn't promise to answer your prayers. He can hear them. He, can, he may answer them if He wants to, but there's no promise to it. He promises to answer the prayers of His children, but not those who are at war with Him. So if you're at war with God, you're in a bad place. You can't win. Size up God, and He will put you in your place. And if you're sitting here today, and you're an unbeliever, you're lost, you're at war, you're still in your sin, you're still throwing up your fist, doing what you want to do, how you want to do it, you're at war, and it's not a good place to be. You will die and you cannot say rest in peace to somebody who's not at peace with God. That RIP, rest in peace, it's a great statement, but if that person isn't right with God, there's no resting and there's no peace. Unless you're at peace with God, you will not have peace in eternity. So here now, before you get to your deathbed, before tomorrow, before later on, you need today to be at peace with God. Each one of you here today, you need to look at your own selves and say, am I at war with God or am I at peace with God? Which one is it? You sit there and say, I don't know. Tell me what to do, Josh. Surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way to have peace. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He came into this world and He lived a sinless, perfect life. No fault to be found at all in Him. Do you believe that? Say yes. I believe it, Josh. 
Do you believe that He went to the cross and He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him? Do you believe that? Amen, I believe it. Do you believe that He died upon the cross taking my sin and, and, and my iniquity upon Himself and He died? Do you believe that He was buried and He rose again on the third day? Oh, you better believe I believe that one. I believe it all. Do you believe He... After he rose again, that he ascended into heaven and he promised, I'll come again. And when he comes again, you know what he's going to do? He won't be saying peace. He's saying judgment. The next time he comes, it won't be peace. He's going to take out that sword and he's going to fire that bow. You better be right with him before he comes again because you won't get a chance after that. Do you believe these things? Yes, I do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in who he is and what he did and you shall be saved. Believe. That's all you have to do. Talking to some people at UVA Wise the other day as we were doing some evangelism up there. Those, they, they want to know, what can I do? And they, oh, they want to do this and they want to do that and they want to do this and I've done this and I've done that. And the answer is believe. Just believe. You can find peace with God. It's as simple as it is. So that's the first question. Are you at peace with God? And question number two to Christians, are you at peace with others? I urge you today be peacemakers if it's possible. How do I do that? The first thing you can do is pray for them. Whoever it is you're at odds with, pray for them. The second thing you can, and we ought to do that today. If you're at odds with somebody, we ought to pray for them. If there's somebody who is, is at enemy with God, an enemy with God, and, and you need to see man be made right with God, the first thing you can do is pray for them. We should be full of this altar praying for God, please. Please let them make peace. We ought to be praying for those who are at odds with. We ought to go to them. We ought to make it right with them. There's an assignment to this. Get yourself up. Throw yourself out that way. And make it right. And then come back. And if they won't have anything to do with it, that's not on you. That's on them. Be peaceful. Why? Because those who are at peace with God will pursue peace with others and will be called the children. Let's pray. We'll have an altar call. If there's anything you need to do, if you need to be at peace with God, I'm going to be sitting right there and I can help you find peace with God. If, if you've got other issues, if you've got fighting and, and conflict in your life, I'll be sitting right there. I'll pray with you. I'll do my best to be the one who comes between you and you and whoever it may be to build a bridge and to bring peace. I will do whatever I can do. I'll be sitting right there if you need me while this song plays. Brandon will be sitting there if you need him while this song plays. There's others that will be here. If you need something, if you need anything, we're here for you today as this song plays. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for making peace for us by the blood of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that the, the wall of partition, the wall of sin that separated us, that the war has been ended, that we can have peace with you. That I'm thankful, God, that I'm no longer fighting. I'm no longer rebelling. I'm no longer throwing up fists. But God, I am right with You. I have peace with You on the inside. It's well with my soul. And God, I pray if there's anyone in here today that doesn't have that within their soul, that today they would find peace with You. Our message today is a message of peace. People can be at peace with God. So I pray today that someone will find that. Please. And for those of us as Christians, help us, God, pursue peace with all men do our very best to be at peace with everyone. And if there's anyone in my life, anyone in our lives here at the church, that we need to, to make peace, show us that and help us have the courage to do it. Bless this invitation time and we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. And what a wonderful message from Josh that was. And now joining me in the studio today is Pastor Josh Tompkins. Josh, how can we be at peace with people who refuse to be at peace with us? That's one of the most common questions I got after this sermon. I think I mentioned it in the sermon um, that there are times that we can't be at peace with other people. Uh, the, the passages they're teaching us to try to be at peace with everyone. I think the book of Romans says that if at all possible, we should be at peace with all men. So we aim to do that. We strive to do that. We pursue peace. We do our very best to be at peace with all men, everybody. That, that's our goal. I want to be at peace with people in my church, people in the community, people in my family. Um, I, I, but we understand at the end of the day that that's going to be impossible. 
there are some people who are impossible to get along with. They don't want to be at peace. They would prefer war. They prefer anger, prefer anger um, animosity. And that's okay. If, if we are doing our best to be at peace and to maintain a level of, of peace and getting along, uh, then we're, we're doing our part. If it's possible, maintain peace with all men. Uh, we understand as our example that Jesus living this as a peacemaker was not at peace with all men. Uh, he was not at peace with the false teachers. He was not at peace with those who were antagonistic towards him. He tried. He, he Even today, he reaches out and invites people to be at peace with him. But there are people who refuse. We know that's the case. So if, if Christ, our example, our God, our Savior, can, uh, is not at peace with all men, then we can expect that in our lives as well. There will be people that we just can't get along with. So that, that's a hard thing to deal with, but it's a, it's a reality that we have to face in the world that we're living in. And we'd like to remind our listeners that if you or someone you know are suffering from an overpowering addiction of any kind or in need of clothing, or you just want to be surrounded by a loving family for a warm meal, check us out online for a list of our services and ministries here at West End. Come by and see us. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at www.westendbsg.org.